This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. To receive a free copy of Bob Buford's classic book, Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. Welcome to Eternal Leadership, a show dedicated to equipping and inspiring leaders to accomplish what God has created in them. I'm Steve Ryder, and for the last number of weeks, we've been playing audio from the recent Strategic Philanthropy Global Summit that my partner, John Ramstead, helped to lead. Today's speaker is COO of Pure Flix Entertainment, Steve Fideski. Welcome back to day five here on the Global Strategic Philanthropy Summit. Uh, today we have Steve Fideski. You just heard from Sam Elick. What an amazing story about a young man that just found a need, developed a company around it, and is making a difference around this world. And you're going to find the same thing here from Steve. So, Steve, welcome to the summit, my friend. Thank you, John. So good to be with you and everyone that's listening in. Well, you know, Steve is another one of these speakers uh, who's just been played an incredible role in my life. Uh, both as a mentor, a discipler, uh, and honestly, what you guys are going to understand when you hear Steve talk and hear his story, uh, why this is somebody that I tucked into and I'm just trying to keep up with. So let me, let me share a little bit uh, about Steve. You're the chief operating officer at Pure Flix Entertainment, and uh, you are a visionary senior executive entrepreneur. You've spent your career helping leaders and organizations grow. Um, Steve is responsible for overseeing the day-to-day operations while developing the company's offerings, driving global revenue growth at Pure Flix Entertainment, which is the world's leading production and distribution company that offers family, inspirational, and faith-based content. Uh, And if any of you guys know about the film industry, uh, it is probably one of the busiest, fast-paced type environments you could possibly imagine. So just just uh, hold on to that one. Uh, Steve holds his degree in psychology from Baldwin Wallace College uh, and graduate studies in business and finance from the University of Memphis. Uh, Steve was formerly the president and CEO of Pinnacle Forum, uh, held senior sales and marketing positions at Fortune 100 consumer products and direct marketing companies like Kraft, Borden, and Advo. Uh, popular motivational speaker, and founder and CEO of the Vibrant Consulting Group. Steve has received multiple national sales marketing leadership awards from uh, the prestigious Chairman's Award for Kraft Foods. That one is uber competitive. I know that. Uh, Steve serves his community. He's an elder at his church, Highlands Church. He's a teacher, a disciple leader, mentor. Uh, He was commissioned as a centurion from the Chuck Colson Center on Biblical Worldview active supporter of the Campus Crusade International called CREW, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Athletes in Action, Arizona Prison Ministry Board uh, member, Phoenix Rescue Mission Ambassador, and Steve and his beautiful, lovely wife, Tracy, been married for 31 years. They have two married children and four grandchildren. And Steve, I look older than you, and my kids are still in high school. So you've been living right, my friend. We started very early. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, before we jump in, because this is going to be a great interview for everybody listening, uh, please go and share this with your friends on Facebook. They can still jump in live to this. Um, Why don't you share just a little bit about your background and your your story, uh, Steve? Yeah, thank you so much. Well, uh, God does have a plan for our lives, and uh, I was raised in an amazing family. I have a father that was a career Marine 
And so I've always uh, heard from him early, got family and uh, USMC, <laughs> not necessarily in that order. <laughs> and uh, my mother was stay-at-home mom with uh, four brothers and a sister, so there were six kids. And uh, sports was a big part of life. God was a part of life. Church was a part of life. And uh, we were a competitive bunch. And what happened early on is uh, I was gifted in sports and gifted academically. And uh, so, you know, God was a God to fear, not a God to, uh, that, that I felt was a God of love, compassion, kindness, goodness, and grace. I didn't know that God for many years. So how I got myself, uh, you know, feeling good about myself, feeling good about what I've done is how I accomplish things. And John, you and I've talked about this in the past, but who I was is based on what I did and what someone said I did. And so that would puff me up and make me feel good. So I'd go out and get more accolades. So I'd perform at a high level. And what happened with that, um, by the time I got to college, uh, you know, <laughs> I was just empty because what happened was I successful runner in college. I was a captain of my teens. I was an all-American distance runner. And uh, I was empty as can be. And also I kept doing was asking God to help me when I needed to do well in a race or do well on, and on a test or wanted to get the right girl to say yes. And uh, quite frankly, John, um, that was a life of uh, performance and life of emptiness because you and I know that um, eventually all the stuff of the world isn't going to fulfill the things that you need in your heart, which is to be loved, accepted, have meaning and purpose in life and have a hope and a future. So I went to a Fellowship of Christian Athletes uh, event on campus. Um, I heard the gospel for the very first time, even though I was in and around church for uh, 20 years. And I uh, heard this amazing uh, message that uh, God uh, sent Jesus to this world to follow, to die, went to the cross to forgive us of our sins. And uh, if I believed that, I would have life eternal and have forgiveness of my sins and have some purpose and meaning in life and take on a new life and who Christ said I was, which was an ambassador for him and had a plan for me. And so I started looking at the elements of of the gospel, the elements of the Bible, started studying the Bible. And that day changed my life dramatically. I had a heart transplant that day, John. And so in that time... You know, before and after that heart transplant that you talk about, Steve, what did you notice? Yeah, I basically was, you know, first and foremost was um, everything that I was going to accomplish was going to be for me. And if I did well, then I would give back to others. But reality of it is... Um, I was more self-focused than anything. And I always thought the whole way life was going to be is if I worked hard and I got a good education, treated people right, I would just be fulfilled and have this great journey. Well, reality was I wasn't happy. I was, I was um, an emotional wreck inside. Uh, people saw me doing well, and their performance was bar was so high I couldn't even accomplish it. And so I was really... Um, high when I was high and really low when things didn't go well. And that's no way to live a life. And I imagine many young people have that struggle inside uh, because what they're doing is they're trying to make what they accomplish be in their identity versus that God's made them and designed them perfectly with a plan for them. So that's what, that's where I was at empty. Uh, although I was driven, I was driven for myself, not others. And after I got radically uh, transformed in my heart and mind, and I started studying the blueprint of success in the Bible, uh, I basically started 
slowly, steadily, surely given more of my life over to the Lord. And then as I relinquished those reins, he would start pouring into me uh, more opportunities to serve him, to serve others. So that's kind of where I was at. But here, here's what happened. I'll just finish up with this. Um, life is a journey, not a destination. You've all heard that. But the reality of it is um, you do have to have some plan for your life. And you want to seek God's plan versus just your own. He'll give you the desires of your heart if it aligns up to things that are right by him and right for him. So I come down and I realize that, that everything I've done was really because he's put me in a position to it to do it. He's given me the gifts. He's given me the talents. He's given me the experiences. And he's even given me the vision to have a life that's uh, fulfilling for him and also helpful to others. So I have a credo that says, if number one, everything I do, um, it it one, um, honors the great commandment, which means love God and love people. So whatever you do and whatever I do, I think is my doing this in the right pure motives to show God that I love him and show somebody that's in front of me or around me or I'm influencing that I love them. Number two is the Great Commission. I believe that we're supposed to be here to give back, to make disciples. We're supposed to share our faith with them so they can have the love and hope that we enjoy as Christians. And uh, those that don't know Christ, that you do all you can to help model uh, a reason for them to know him personally. Number and, And then once you've done that, you're supposed to look for people that you can pour into so you can train up the next generation, the people around you, uh, people that are coming behind you and behind you, not by socioeconomic status, but behind you because they're actually um, people that uh, you see something in and you are just in, in, engaged and entrenched with their life. And so you fan into flame what God's given them. And that's really important because when you go away from this earth, you need to leave something beyond yourself. And I think the Great Commission is an awesome way to do that by being trained so you can turn around and train and equip someone else to do great things. Uh, the third thing is the, the, I call it the cultural mandate. That's why you mentioned earlier in my bio, uh, the being a centurion, I wanted to understand uh, everything I needed to do about being a good example of a biblical worldview trained and equipped warrior for Christ. And that's a world-class training you go through at the Colson Center. And so in that, I wanted to also study other worldviews so I could see the other side of it, what people were uh, clamoring to and why they were following some, some tenets of another faith or belief system. And so understanding others is the best way to build a bridge to them to know you. And so the cultural commission is just to be fruitful and multiply, that we were put here to steward over our, where God's placed us individually and collectively. And so if I look at those three items, the Great Commandment, the Great Commission, the Cultural Commission, then that will keep me on point to doing things that are going to be a life full of fulfillment, meaning, purpose, and a destiny beyond myself. So that's, John, you know, that's how I live my life. And I've been honing it. I'm not there, but I'm working at it every day with an intentionality uh, so that I cannot miss opportunities. And that's kind of why, you know, you mentioned my career. I mean, I started at one level of leadership. I developed uh, various businesses uh, and various organizations and led a lot of people to another level of success. Well, go back to that, Steve, because, you know, uh, you know, our audience that's listening, you know, they're, they're, 
entrepreneurs or people building businesses, maybe they've plateaued, uh, you know, after at the, uh, you know, throughout this whole summit, uh, we've been getting some great feedback from people. Uh, there's a lot of people that really feel stuck. They haven't connected to their calling or their purpose, or they've tried a business and it never became profitable and they're, they're a little discouraged. And I know you've had times like that in your life. And yep. I'd love for you to almost share with people how you actually move through that. It's, it's something Lance Walnow calls a process event. This is yeah. when we dip down because it's preparing us for going back up to what's next. But yeah. sometimes we don't see what's next and, and, and it can slow us down significantly. So uh, let's just go. There's a couple key points here. One defining moment was um, I, I was, uh, my wife wanted to live in Arizona. I live in Scottsdale, Arizona now. And her family was here. I have a couple brothers here. And, and hey, after, good call, uh, by the way, doing, you know, following where your wife wanted to live. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been married. You mentioned three, I'm now 32 years married. And uh, it's important that you're in sync on that. So I had a great corporate career with Kraft General Foods and, and uh, she wanted to live in Arizona and I, they wanted me to live in the East Coast. So, uh, so one thing that happened is I had to leave the company in order to keep the family happy. So I left what I thought was a great career path. And in that, I, you know, I, I really uh, struggled because I ended up having to do a couple things that were very uncomfortable. They were new. Um, I, really, I really was... Uh, and not where I thought I wanted to be. I was a little bit upset that, hey, I had to give up something in order to satisfy someone else, i.e. my wife. And reality of it is that was such a blessing, you know, that we made the move. But here's what happened out of it. Um, I ended up working with uh, the largest direct mail marketing firm in America um, and called Advo. You mentioned Advo. And that company, I was with them for over a decade. And it was an extraordinary journey. One, I didn't have to travel as much. I got to raise my kids and be home more. And uh, I had a great career run with them. What I learned there was uh, a lot of people needed um, somebody that could help them with the marketing, advertising, promotion of their company. If I didn't have that 10-year experience, I wouldn't have launched my next company. That company, just real quick, Advo. Um, and just at, How long were you at Advo, Steve? About 10 years. Okay. And in that... We had the most profitable division in the history of that company for 10 straight years that I ran, 10 years in a row. Everyone was wondering what you're doing to your company, a 1% turnover with people in, a, in an industry that was turning over people in the sales and marketing side at 27 to 28%. So what happened? Well that's, fa well, that's fascinating. What were some of the differences? What would you share with people? Yeah, just helping. The reason why that was important is that, that I just learned that I stayed in a place where I knew my wife would be happy. Uh, I made the best of it at the time, and I worked hard at the opportunity that was presented to me. Well, what happened there, why we had low attrition, is because I learned in that thing from an older gentleman that told me every time you do my review, Steve, you always tell me what I'm doing right or wrong, and, uh, but you never ask me what you can do to help me be more successful. And that was humbling. <laughs> And so I said to him, thank you so much for that. From now on, I'm going to have every one of my reviews start with, how can I serve you in order to achieve the goals that you and I have talked about? And all of a sudden, the people realized that I was there not just to achieve company profits and success, but I was there to help them take the gifting they have and strengthen that and use those strengths 
in order to uh, propel them into the most success they could have for themselves, which ultimately would benefit the company. Well, See, Steve, you know, what you just shared right there is something I really want people to, you know, take a note of, uh, especially with this millennial generation. There's a, you know, all the surveys, the research our firm has done, working with hundreds of millennials ourselves. There's this deep need. They want to do valuable work. They want to be valued as people, but they really have a desire to be equipped personally and professionally in what they're doing. And, and even if they might not, let's say they're somebody who's at PureFlix, they might have the mindset, I'm only going to be here for a year and a half, two years, and I'm going to move on. But as leaders, if you're talking about serving somebody just really authentically, knowing that I might only have this person for two years, but your mindset is what if I just make them serve them, make them the best possible person I can while they're here. And if they want to stay, that's awesome. But if they want to move on, that's awesome too, because you care more about the person than maybe the revenue or the contribution they make for your company. Is that, is that a fair statement? Absolutely. Um, I think that's so spot on. Um, people don't care how much you know. People want to know how much you care. You've heard that, all of you, so often, maybe from your friends, family, you read it somewhere, but it's so true. So, I started changing. Now, I was in my early 30s, so to give you a perspective, when I was running this company, and when that gentleman told me that, he was probably 15 years my senior, and he had run a company but had a tough run, and he came and went to work for somebody. So I knew he was valuable, and that was a gem he gave me. Well, what happened there is our people started uh, realizing that Steve wasn't about Steve. He wasn't just trying to make his uh, bonuses and profits for himself and the company, but he really cared about us. And we created such a unit, no one wanted to leave when they had opportunities. They stayed there, they made great money, we, they made great bonuses, and we had a great run. So that's why I didn't have any turnover. And uh, I just try to tell people that simple message when they would say, how come your division is always first? And I would say, treat your people well, help them get what they want and you'll be blessed. And that was the other thing. The other thing that I would tell you is in that term, that company ended up being uh, sold and they asked me to relocate. My wife again, no, we're not relocating. <laughs> That's not what Tracy said, but she kind of, I knew that we wanted to stay where we're at. So if I didn't have that experience, I, I wouldn't have been able to launch my own company. I launched Vibrant Consulting Group which really basically took all of my experiences and helped me turn around and help other companies grow and develop. That's that I ran that company for many years before I got called to Pinnacle Forum as CEO. So, so to me, what I was saying there is I, I made a decision that was personal, that put me in a position that gave me a great career run. I learned some things in that assignment. That assignment ended. I didn't control the end date. Uh, the, the world did, you know, someone sold the company underneath me, right? Uh, and and what, what do I do? Well, I, again, wanted to make my family, uh, you know, secure and okay. And I wanted to live where they wanted to live. So I, I ended up moving. So I moved into a new company and starting my own company. So what happened was adversity was a gift there. The changes were a gift. I didn't know what God had planned for me, but those changes gave me a greater platform, each one built on the other. So my message is, you know, your experiences, your gifting, uh, your talents, your passions, when that converges, you're in your sweet spot. 
but you're not going to be in your sweet spot till you embrace change and you continue to persevere through even your more difficult seasons. And, uh, that, that whole concept of convergence and sweet spot. I think there's a lot of people out there that are still that convergence hasn't quite happened yet. And I know you've mentored so many men and women in business and, and in life. And maybe you could share some of the things that you've seen that hold people back or slow them down to getting to that convergence in, yeah. in, in your advice on how to, how to make that process happen and connect to it. Yeah. Well, first of all, um, it's something I didn't really understand till my forty. Mm-hmm. So it's a process. And I wish someone would, even if someone's going to teach you this, you still have to live it a bit. So here, first and foremost, I think you need to know what your gifts and strengths are. So take a gift test, spiritual gift test, Strength Finder 2.0. Understand your, your strengths. Understand how God wired you. Um, there's, you know, so learn that. Find people in your life that can speak into you to help you with that. But I, I, there's a lot of great uh, tests on that. So that's a way to expedite the understanding. Number two, um, once you've got those gifts, then I would ask you to just continue to pray about what you want to accomplish in your life and ask God to reveal that to you. And he will in seasons and in, in, in steps. So once you have those gifts and you're starting to hone in what the desires of your heart, you'll start asking, you know, God in prayer and then also with counselors, ask them how you can get to that next step. What is it that I need to do, Lord, to change in my life and to be more like you want me to be in order to accomplish what you want me to accomplish? Those are questions I ask often. Lord, what is it that I need to change? You know, what is it that you want me to do next? You know, how do I, and how do I go about those things? And I think a lot of those answers are in the word of God. I think they come in reflective prayer. Uh, when you're, uh, I think it also comes when you are not sure when you have a multitude of counselors. So you and I, John, early on, we're talking about not running solo in a silo. So what most leaders do and when people that desire to have a life of fulfilling life of impact, uh, they, they try to do it solo in a silo, I'd say. So don't run solo in your silo. Invite people into your life. Invite God into your life. Invite people to speak into your life. Look for people that have uh, great, greater attributes of success and elements of success and model success in the areas that you want. And ask them if you could sit with them, have a cup of coffee, and, and pick their brain and, and share their life with with your life with them and their lives with you. The more you do that, the more you're not going to get off of track. That's called bumper buddies. Have some mentors and bumper buddies in your life. And I think that's important. The last thing is, is this passion. Passion really gets fueled out of vision. You know, if you have a vision and uh, you basically know where your inventory of strengths and gifts are, and you have actually gotten people around you that can help fan that into flame, that passion will come as you focus on the vision. The man without vision shall perish is a very key proverb. Um, most people quit thinking about their vision for their life, their plan for their life, their purpose for their life, the meaning for their life. And so that's how you, that's how you get convergence going. You look See, at, I, and I think that's a great point too. I think a lot of people that have plateaued or not where they're at, they, they, they've, they, they probably couldn't tell you what their vision is. 
That, that, I've noticed that exact same thing, and I, and I love this process. I think whether you're a believer or not a believer, and I know that's, that's where you and I both come from, but this yeah. is the same process for anybody to really connect to whatever you want to call it, a calling, a yep. purpose. But that vision for your life, how would you define vision? Yeah, um, it's an aspirational statement defining who you, uh, what you want to become or what you want to accomplish in the future. Mm. So, so it's, it's an aspiration. What do you aspire to? You know, um, for example, if you're aspiring, if you're in a technology company and you want your product in every household in the world, that would be an aspirational statement, right? Our vision in PureFlix is to influence the global culture for Christ through media. Okay, so everything we do, everything that we're working on has to deal with the vision of influencing. So if I have a chance to do a film and it can make money, if I'm not putting a message in there that can influence the culture that I'm communicating to, then then I'm missing my vision statement. I'm not adding to uh, an element to, to impact or influence in a way that I want to. Same with my life, you know, if I aspired as a runner to be an all-American runner, be the best in my event or division or conference or whatever, you know, I had to put that out there, you know, that I want, I have a vision to be the best distance runner on the team and then eventually the best on my conference and eventually the best in my state and eventually one of the best in the country or in the world. That's the, that's how it works. It's vision. The, so the mission is how you get how you're going to go about it. So our mission is to be the world leader in producing and distributing faith and family media. So the mission, how are you going to accomplish that vision? What are you going to do? So to me, that is a key element about convergence is you have to have a vision. You take your gifting, your strengths, you take your experiences along the way and learn from them. And when that starts converging with the passions that are deep in your heart, and I told you earlier, some mine was just influence, you know, basically all along was to have influence in, in the great commandment, great commission, the cultural mandate. So um, I want to intentionally multiply Christ-like leaders. That's my personal mission. I, I'm very intentional about it. I work with leaders. Why? They get things done. I only have so much time to spend and energy to spend. So I want to work with people like John Ramstead, that if I pour into you, you're going to sharpen me back, but I'm going to actually see great things happen. And I've seen that happen in your life, John. And that's, that's, exactly, why, um, that's exactly why convergence is important. But you've got to continue to, to start from vision. Well, you know, I, uh, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about what you just said about leaders and why we both like working with leaders. And, I, you know, the thought that came to mind is, you know what, we're not afraid to fail. Because if you give me some information that's maybe counterintuitive or something that's totally out of my comfort zone, moves me out of my box, right, that that Ford Taylor talked about a couple uh, interviews ago, uh, you know, a leader is going to go and take that opportunity and go just move in that direction. And because we are perfectly okay with failure because we just see it as one result. And it's, it's whether I fail or succeed or partially succeed, it's something I learned from. I go back to, I go back and I tie that in. I love what you said. That vision is that aspirational statement that comes from that self-awareness that you're creating through learning about yourself through prayer. And then you're writing down this mission statement about how to accomplish it. But one of the keys in here 
was you got to live life with other people because you're right. You cannot do this in a silo. And every time I have isolated myself and tried to accomplish big things on my own, I started serving myself uh, and I never even got close to the results I was trying to do. So I really appreciate you sharing that. That, that was, I, I took a ton of notes there in that section, Stephen. You know, so somebody's can, they, they have this vision. Yeah. I want to do something big. Like mine is to equip leaders to live the life that God meant for them to live. And you can imagine, you can go a lot of places with that. And it's been, once I connected with that, man, we were off to the races. So then the mission was how, how we're going to do that. And that's right. And you're, you have a different how, a different mission than I have. Uh, let's say, you know, people out there, that's, they're, they're hearing this conversation. Things are starting to, the fog's starting to lift. Uh, what, what would you, what have you done next once you connected with that vision and mission to move forward into impact and influence? Yeah. So I think the next thing is really simply, um, no matter what you're doing, you start it, you start putting together a plan. So let's talk about this. So, so now you, you said, here's my vision, mission. Now here's the purpose. What, you know, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it. Right. So that, that P is important purpose, but then the plan. So what, what's the elements of a plan? Here's the elements of a plan, vision, mission, purpose, then strategy. What are the strategies uh, I want? But before I write a strategy, I have to take inventory of the obstacles. What's going on in this area. For example, if you're a business person, you need to research the industry. What's happening? You know, what's going on in my industry? What's the trends? If I want to influence culture, I need to understand culture. So I'm researching cultural trends, right? In, in, in my field. So I do a lot of cultural analysis. I do a lot of media analysis. And so, so the next thing is you've got to take some inventory because if you don't know what the obstacles are, what you're up against, if you don't know what problem you're going to solve, uh, then why do you do what you're doing? You know, you're going to waste your time, money, and energy. So to me, um, when I used to do strategy for companies, when I ran my consulting firm, we would bring, we would come in and we'd say, well, what do you think the problem is? And they would tell me, I said, well, why don't you go fix it? Well, or, or if they say, here's the market that we want to reach, I said, well, based on what? How do you know that? Have you validated? So you're doing research. And then you're deciding what are the obstacles, and then you write the strategy around the, how to overcome those obstacles. And some obstacles you may not overcome. So strategy is important. And then after strategy, then you write an individual tactics to reach, um, to achieve those individual strategies. And then you measure and monitor along the way so you can make adjustments. So that's, that's, a, that's a, what we call a business flow up. And it works in your personal lives too. If you don't have a strategy to get more healthy, you know, and if you say, I just want to get healthy, it's not specific enough. You know, why do you want to get healthy? You understand? So mm-hmm. what, are the what is the strategy? What are the tactics you have to take? Well, I have to eat less and move more. That's a good one. <laughs> well, in, in, you know, our, our uh, you know, a big philosophy here is how do you do good through doing business? And, and I'm thinking about, you know, your vision, mission, purpose, strategy, uh, with PureFlix right now, and what you're trying to do is take market share with the, from this 8,000-pound gorilla, Hollywood, and, you know, you guys have decided to tackle an area that is not, um, you know, a lot of business owners wouldn't say, wow, there's a great opportunity there, but that's not how you looked at it. So, you know what, there's a lot of people that are hungry for faith-based or family-based films. You just are in the middle of releasing God's Not Dead 2, the first release, God's Not Dead, 
was one of the big successes. You guys have already put out hundreds of movies over your uh, 10, 11 year career. So I would love for you to share a little bit about what you're doing it and how you're executing on this mission that you shared, this vision that you shared through what you're doing at PureFlix, Steve. Yes, thank you. Well, first of all, um, you know, let's, let's move this to a personal level. How does this play out is what John's asking me. And, and I think it does take courage. You have to realize that you're in a fight. You know, what we're doing is just going to be a counterculture play. So I, here's of all, I believe um, that there's power in unity. And I, and I want to look for people that I can unite with and in whatever cause, and in the case of uh, in the media world, it's so big, it's so robust. And so humility is really a precursor. So I look for people that want to work as one, that are humble and contrite, that want to that join in to, to impact the vision and mission that we have. So, you know, the question, though, is what are we up against? Well, I, John, you know very well that I've spoken and taught a lot about the influence of seven mountains or seven, you know, seven pillars of culture or, you know, whatever the cultural influence channels are. You know, I believe that uh, God's put those channels together in order for the leaders of those channels to wield their influence to have an impact for him. Hey, real quick, just why don't you just list off what those seven mountains are for people that aren't familiar with yeah, it. So, so when I talk about areas of culture, uh, call them mountains, would be like the media world, the entertainment world, the education world, um, the family, as a family, people that are working in that realm, religion, you know, not so necessarily the body of Christ, the church, but religion itself, government. Um, also, uh, business is so important. So those are some of the areas. Um, I think education is one as well. And then the arts, you know, arts and entertainment. So those are what I would call the channels. And I, and just on that point, I believe that that media and entertainment are most the mind molders of society. I think it's uh, today uh, culture uh, is mostly influenced by those areas, and I don't think anyone here would disagree with that. Um, I think it's the language of our time. And what I've learned, if you don't learn to speak the language correctly. Uh, of the people that you're trying to influence uh, or rally to a cause to solve a problem, um, then you're not going to get across to most people. So if it's about spinning the gospel, you're, if you don't communicate effectively in these realms, then you're not going to expand the, the impact of the gospel in a greater way. But you have to do it in love. You have to do it with the winsome uh, appeal in nature. So God's invading every culture sphere, but I believe, uh, I believe media is the voice of culture. Let me tell you why. Just very simply, if you if you're born and and you and you went to church every every week for all your life up to 17 years, you get 800 hours of media. In that same time frame, you would receive um, about 11,000 hours in school, 2,000 hours of training and teaching from your parents. That those all combined don't add close to the amount of media you'll consume by the age of 17. You'll consume 65,000 hours of media. Almost oh, an that's huge. That's scary. Times factor. Now, why I say media is a mind molder society today, and everyone in this, you, you check this, we're consuming 11 hours of media a day, uh, Americans. That's more than we eat and uh, more than we sleep and more than we work. And that's just a big impact. So I'm just saying to you, John, when I looked at the vision mission of PureFlix, I have to take inventory of what's going on in media and what's going on in the culture. One thing that I know about media 
And I just did a study uh, from the Pew Research that I analyzed. And one of the things I read was over the last 14 years, 16% of people um, have actually, excuse me, 61% of people said it's okay to have uh, children outside of wedlock. And that increased by 16% over the last 14 years. So there's social trends that media, we think of TV shows, you think of messaging on, on film is showing. Sex outside of marriage has jumped. Uh, 68% say it's totally cool. There's no moral uh, concern about that to more than two-thirds of people out there. Uh, that's a 13% jump. And even in the area of divorce, you know, uh, it's jumped uh, from 59% to 71% saying it's totally socially acceptable. If it isn't working out, then just divorce. And there's no repercussion for that, most people think. Now, you and I know, having a biblical worldview, that's not God's plan and design for marriage. That's not his design for family. It's not a design for children. So what I'm saying to you is the moral impact of what's happening from media is more than we believe and see. It's affecting us. So what's the solution? Just briefly, I mentioned our vision to influence the global culture for Christ through media. What's the mission? Is to, to not only produce, uh, to be the world leader in producing, but distributing. So we own a distribution rights worldwide and producing over 100 films and, and, and more to come, Faith and Family Media. So, John, to me, creating movies like God's Not Dead, who reached 50 million people saw that movie uh, two years ago around the globe. That's the number one independent film. This is not a promotion. This is to say that film and film can reach into tens of millions of people around the world. And so, so each film had to have a theme that matched to our vision and mission. And, and that was to just say, does God exist or not? And we gave a case on both sides and apologetic. So John, to me, um, having a film that has a message like that is, is I could just go and do films that make money, but I'd rather keep aligned to our vision, mission, the purpose we're here and what our game plan is. I love that. And I'd love for you to share, not only <clears throat> in addition to using what you're doing to execute on something you guys are all passionate about, that's an assignment of yours, you've also woven into this platform how you are supporting some, you know, some other, some causes that are important to you guys too. Could you share a little bit about that? Because this has been a theme with a lot of people and I love it. So one of the things we're doing in our films now, as John was saying, is you have a social responsibility, we feel, so we can give back to our community and influence the community because of the platform we have. So um, we know that moviegoers, 40% um, of Americans went to a movie last year, 35% of them were unchurched. So if we want to share an expression in the film, we started looking at ways we could bring organizations like Convoy of Hope and putting their messaging inside a film. So Convoy of Hope's in God's Not Dead 2, which released April 1st, and tens of millions of people will hear about Convoy of Hope, see in our credits how to get more information about how they can join in on feeding starving children around the world, how to empower women, how to uh, help uh, farmers around the world in third world countries have more uh, sustainability uh, a, a more of a greater yield under crop. So we put messages like Salvation Army in the film. So that's one of the things we do. We also started a foundation, John, called God's Not Dead Foundation, where we actually list local, regional, and national organizations where we can um, take our proceeds and give back, but also ask others that are impassioned about 
certain areas that we want to give back to and influence, how they can join in with us. So if someone only has a dollar to give, you know, great. We're going to show you where we vetted organizations that are doing great things that we can support together. So they can feel part of our vision mission and part of uh, what we're trying to influence the culture from, even if they have a, a small amount of money or time. So, John, those are things I think all business leaders should, should consider, you know. What is going to be your social give back? So that is one of the things we are doing. Um, another thing, just to give you a perspective, we started a, a digital platform, pureflix.com. Uh, 4,000 almost uh, titles of TV shows, um, movies, and then also we're producing our own episodics, and then we have educational leadership development. So pureflix.com uh, has a reach uh, you know, all around 24-7, 365 days a year on every digital device. And, and we're streaming that. But what we're doing is we're giving a percentage back to the church and affiliate partners so they can sew back into their people uh, to provide programs. For example, we went to a, a, a totally uh, uh, the largest homeschool network in the country. We went to them and say, if you, we want to provide a 30-day free trial, and we'll give back some of the money and scholarship single moms that want to homeschool their kids. And they put that message out. And now we'll be able to use some of the proceeds of people that are consuming on the. I on love the, that. That's a great idea. Now, what I'm trying to say is the footprint's way beyond. Use your vehicle of media to get a message of another organization out. Use the vehicle of digital media in order to help single moms to raise funds so they can have the materials to homeschool their kids, you know, example. And so it's whatever God puts on your heart. But um, I think sky's the limit with these vehicles to get more awareness out there. Well, and also, uh, you, you, you know, I would describe what you've done at pureflix.com, everybody. It's P-U-R-E-F-L-I-X.com. Uh, it's basically the family-friendly uh, Netflix. It, right. It's phenomenal. You guys have what? A, if I over four thousand titles, you're adding new movies, and you're also adding a whole kind of category of educational, inspirational, and and I know you guys have come up at Pure Flix. You guys are just amazing people for a, a, a similar offer for our audience here for the summit. Maybe you could share that real quick. Yeah. So what we're offering is um, if you go to pureflix.com on any device. Uh, you can put your information in there and you'll get a 30 day free trial. That means of all the content we have there available to you, you can watch free to your heart's desire. And uh, that goes on for 30 days. And then after 30 days, they'll ask you if you'd like to continue the service and it's seven ninety nine a month. So it's a, uh, you know, basically a cup of coffee at Starbucks, a Benti. Uh, you, you can actually have all the faith and family educational media that you want. And we're going to continue to grow that and bring more offerings for you. So we'll have the code for that offer in the emails that everybody's getting. Um, and Steve, I just want to thank you for who you are, what you're doing. Hey guys, as you're watching this, you're seeing this on, on Saturday afternoon. This will be the second weekend that God's Not Dead 2 is out in the theaters. Uh, trust me, go grab a friend. Uh, you know, this is for any audience. I don't care what your faith background is, what your... Uh, what your experiences have been with the church or with individuals. This is a movie 
that's going to, that you're going to, you're just going to love the movie. The first one was phenomenal. We went, we went back with people and went back with more people. And in the feedback we got from everybody we took across every possible spectrum, faith wise and socioeconomic wise and background wise, uh, everybody loved it. So just want to encourage you to go take a group, go do that. Uh, plug into pureflix.com. And Steve, I just want to thank you so much for your time, who you are and the message you shared. It was phenomenal. Thank you, John. God bless you all. Have a great day. If you'd like to learn more about Steve and PureFlix, just go to eternalleadership.com slash 117. That's eternalleadership.com slash 117. This edition of Eternal Leadership has been brought to you by Halftime Institute. In 1994, Bob Buford penned the book Halftime, Moving from Success to Significance. And in the more than 21 years since then, it's sold more than three quarters of a million copies. It's touched baby boomers in the 90s and is now touching both the lives of Gen Xers who are now in that midlife season asking is this all there is, as well as baby boomers who are searching for significance in retirement. To get a free copy of the book, just go to eternalleadership.com slash halftime. And after you read the book, if you have any questions, you can receive a no obligation one hour of halftime coaching. Eternalleadership.com slash halftime. You can't beat getting a free bestseller. For John Ramstead, I'm Steve Ryder, and thank you for listening to Eternal Leadership.